Hello and welcome to the 143rd episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are, and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half, we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Neverwinter by Cryptic Studios. Thomas, who are you, or what do you do? Hiya, Chris. You ready to roll for initiative? <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll just get my D20s out. Oh, damn, there's another room. But exactly. Yes. Just cut to the chase right here. <laughs> Hi, uh, yeah, so uh, my name's Thomas Foss. I am uh, currently the lead designer on Neverwinter Online. And who I am is, uh, well, I'm a geek. I'm an avid gamer. Uh, and uh, in my in my history through Neverwinter is long-reaching. Um, I actually got my start in Neverwinter by my godfather, Alan Lucian, who, uh, who wrote the first through ninth level spells for the original D&D book. Well, the uh, original, he still has the original a, one? Yeah, like Chainmail, like I, in, I, in straight up, yeah. If you look in the old books, you'll see that uh, Gygax, there's a, like a special thanks to Alan about, this, uh, about the, his input. And that was uh, that, and, and he's got, a, I think, a type letter from Gary still, but that was pretty much all he had, yeah. So, um, so that's kind of where I started. I went from, uh, from playing Chainmail uh with with alan and, and my friends uh, uh and then straight into like the old blue box of D D, right so um so you did sort of diving into the second question which is how did you make it start making games and obviously you're you're in definitely <coughs> into the realm of, of pen and paper which i am too i'm happy to say i'm i'm running a fifth edition game at the moment based on uh the princes of the apocalypse which is based very very loosely on the temple of elemental evil thank you oh, cool <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I, I've been playing D&D since 1982, yeah, about then. Yeah, and uh, I've been playing since about 79. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think it was, I was about 7th or 8th grade when I got that blue box, yeah. Um, so, but how I got my, my that's, so that's kind of how I started playing Dungeons and Dragons, but uh, how I got my start into gaming and game design was really... Uh, I've just always been fiddling around with rules and seeing how it works, you know, stealing dice out of the Yahtzee game so you could actually have extra dice to play with or uh, on something. But uh, my first quote-unquote game I ever designed was I took an old uh, Stratego board game and I bought another one at a church bazaar for like 50 cents and I cut the boards apart and I made a ginormous battlefield out of them. And so I redesigned it and kind of added a points value to things so, so the battlefields would be kind of fluid and moving. I think it was kind of my like first idea, like, look, I'm designing a video game or just a game, yeah. Um, and yeah, just a game. Uh, and then uh, I've been tooling around and you know twerking with rules and uh, playing with old hammer games and stuff like that. And uh, come college, I started actually designing some games uh, with some college friends, and we uh, formed a company called Flagship Games. And uh, the first game we produced was called Mecca. So it was actually a three-dimensional tabletop game, uh, very much in an anime style uh, of Mecha. Oh, and, so big uh, Gundams then. Yeah, like big Gundams, exactly, exactly. And then and then we did a and then we did an offshoot called Spirit Warrior Empire, where it was Aztec mechs, and uh, that was a niche of a niche that kind of uh, uh, <laughs> crashed and burned, but it looked spectacular. <laughs> wow, it's quite a quite a history there. I mean, delving mm-hmm. into. Uh, in the tabletop, what, what did you make of the renaissance that's going on right now? And I do mean that, that word sincerely, you know, the, mm-hmm. whole, the whole tabletop. I mean, I last weekend, mm-hmm. I actually, I'm a member of the world's largest board game group. Uh, it's called London on Board. Take a drink, mm-hmm. everyone. You've heard this, everyone. But uh, it uh, has 9,000 members now. We roll, we have uh, events, gaming, board game events every day of the week. Uh, wow, I didn't. Yeah. You know, I didn't. I didn't know about that. And I'm going to upgrade my uh, my good friend Mike Siggins, who's uh, done a lot of reviews and stuff for War Games Illustrated and other War Game magazines. And he's my avid board game friend who okay. uh, who turns me on to things. He hasn't told me about that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the Renaissance of board games is awesome. It's fantastic. I mean, I uh, even though my my day job, quote unquote, is here at Cryptic Studios, mm. I own my own game company, so I'm okay. still producing and publishing uh, tabletop games. Uh, fantastic. So uh, yeah. yeah. Definitely, yeah. it's, it's a wonderful thing to have, but obviously one is feeding the other. And, exactly. Uh, we we Ex- can tease that out of you during this show. Um, so, 
is this your first foray into video games, or is this something you've worked on? No, no, I, I'm I'm a seasoned veteran. Uh, so uh, how I got into video games? Originally, I started with uh, I have a degree in art. I have a uh, that's my my background. And the first uh, video game stuff I did was actually making making and painting uh, over two hundred uh, World War Two. Uh, uh, ship models, uh, GHQ ship models for a company called SSI, Strategic Simulations yes. Incorporated. Yes. Remember, they did all of the uh, all of the uh, generals of the Pacific, or Pacific General and Panzer General, and all those. So I did all the models for the Pacific General stuff, and uh, I painted the actuals, and we video digitized them to put them in the game. That was my first foray into the video game industry as a contractor. Wow. Lots, lots of and then, lots of yeah, except except for those uh, Japanese uh, aircraft carriers. They had some fancy stripes on them, oh, tiny, wow. tiny stripes. Uh, so um, and um, and at that time, I was also uh, publishing and making games. I had Mecha out. I also had a, a pirates game that I designed and sculpted the ships for and stuff. Uh, it's a big tabletop game. And the people that were in the games industry were coming to game conventions and playing my games. So uh, they basically said, hey, we have an opening as a game designer at a company called, at the time, Cyclone Studios. Right. Uh, would you like to come interview? So I did, and uh, that's kind of how I got in the industry. Wow. That's, that's, and that was back in 1992, I'm going to say. That's an Maybe about 92. Uh, yeah, 92 was precursor to... To the, the the insanity that is the PlayStation. Let's face it, it, it mm. did do amazing things. Uh, yep. But then it was just at a time when the Amiga was going south, <laughs> and, <laughs> and the PC was like, "Oh look, here's Doom." What? Yep, and yep, that? PCs. Yep, PCs coming up. Um, yeah. and uh, you know, PS One was was hitting its stride. Yeah. But uh, the N sixty four was still the king of the consoles, right? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I did get um, one. Yeah. That was, oh wow. You're right. Yeah. I still have yeah. one with um, with lots yeah. of yeah, it's still fully functional. I was playing Ridge Racer on it the other day. It's not bad, not a bad port Ridge Racer. On the, I on I actually really like developing for the um uh, for the N sixty four. I uh, I ported over, so I went from Cyclone Studios, and we got uh, um, basically our publisher was three D O, and we got succumbed by uh, oh. taken over by three D O, wow. and I worked there on a bunch of the Army Men games like oh. Army Men Air Attack, Air Attack Two. I worked on Air Combat for the N sixty four and a litany of. Yeah. A litany, yeah, a litany of other games. So yes, yeah, so I was there for about seven years. Uh, then when they went under, I worked at a really cool company called The Collective, uh, owned by the Hare Brothers uh, down in Southern California. And I uh, originally was uh, brought on to work on an Indiana Jones game. I was so excited. Uh, but the game was canceled about a month after I got there. Uh, and then I started working on a, um, a graffiti game called Mark Echo's Getting Up. Uh, which is a good tagging game. And um, I happen to know a lot of people in the graffiti industry, and may industry the, in the graffiti world, I should say, yeah. and may or may not have been a tagger of my, uh, in my own right. <laughs> Statutes of limitations uh, forthcoming. But uh, So that was cool, and I got to work with Mark Echo, and I got to meet a bunch of all-city kings, and I already knew, like one of my best friends was Twist, who's a big uh, graffiti artist. I mean, no Banksy, but well, actually, you know what? I'm going to put him up against Banksy. They are on that same league of coolness, yeah, yeah. right? You yeah, know? yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah. Banksy's definitely a... a yeah. yeah, but Twist has pieces like in the you know, Museum of Modern Art, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. brilliant, brilliant artist. Yeah. And I took him out on his first tag. So that was like my bona fides to, into the world of graffiti. <laughs> nice. Right? I can meet these guys. But uh, yeah, so I worked there. Uh, and But uh, I had a love for MMOs. And I had friends working on uh, on City of Heroes at the time. Right. And it hadn't launched yet. No. And I was just gobsmacked. I was smitten. Mm. And uh, i like, how can I get onto this game? Uh, so I had applied at Cryptic Studios. Uh, but they had a hiring freeze uh, because you know they hadn't launched the game yet. Why? Uh, uh, but uh, I met a bunch of the the people that worked at it at E3, had lunch with them, and um, as soon as they uh, as soon as they um, launched, uh, they had a couple of openings, and I came up and interviewed and uh, got the job the same day. That was pretty cool. Oh yeah. Like. Yeah, That's yeah, and it was also great because my fiance was up here, back up in Northern California at the time. Right. So that was uh, another big draw for me to move uh, from Southern California. I I was sad I had to, uh, I, I could have learned a lot from the Hair Brothers. I really had a lot of respect for them, but uh, but th this was the right move. And uh, I'm now at my 14th year at Cryptic Studios. So, oh, so from City things. of Heroes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen things. Uh, <laughs> I've, <laughs> that's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Uh, now I feel like I excerpt out of Blade Runner. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, 
I've seen I've seen yeah builds crash on launch day. I've seen lots of things happen. <laughs> You've seen the text uh, <laughs> on the shoulder of Orion. Yes, it's. A, I, I have seen I have seen projects get right up to the point of green lit and then fail on them, and then fail, cancel. So, yeah, yeah, I call those uh, I call those doing a blizzard. That's what I call call that. It's uh, <laughs> saying you know what we've spent seven years making this this thing. Let's not bother. What? Why? Because we're yeah. blizzard and it's not very good. What? Okay, fine. Here's another yeah, shitty well, game. What? What's this? Oh God! <laughs> and then, then there's Overwatch. But anyway, yeah, Cryptic aren't, aren't that bad. Um, I mean, I have worked on. I've worked on actually every single game that we've launched or not launched to date, mm. and uh, we're about fifty-fifty on on launch and not launch. Right. So you know, we figure we've got four games live right now. Yeah. Uh, well, Three games live right now: <laughs> Deverwinter, uh, Champions, and Star Trek Online, and uh, and we're in development for another one. But uh, we've had some games go down uh, that didn't that didn't go. But uh, one of the things that we're good at at Cryptic is is failing qu- fairly quickly, right? We're not Blizzard where we work seven years on a game and, so, and no, we can we can give a game uh, a half a year to a year and then realize if it's going to be uh, the game that we want to make. Yeah. And uh, and one thing that we're also really good at at Cryptic, and this is for the, you know like the dev crowd out there that I'm talking to, is uh, we're really good at uh, even though a game doesn't succeed, we're really good at pulling out the good parts out of it, yeah. or the good tech that we've created from it, and then using that to leverage uh, into uh, into the games uh, that are now successful. Um, uh, for instance, one of the things uh, would be our combat system in in Neverwinter. Yes. You know, it, uh, that came directly out of a game uh, that uh, that did not make it right, but it had, but the but the fighting was really good. Yeah, we'll, we'll expand on that later. But uh, yeah, but uh, I think one of the things I've mentioned on the show before is uh, creative endeavor is ultimately very destructive. Um, it sounds a bit strange, <laughs> but you build a lot of stuff and go, "It's a great idea, it's rubbish for what we're trying to make." Can we just park that and put that somewhere else, and we'll come back to it? And uh, that's that's what I find is that whenever you're creating something, regardless of what it may be, there will be an element of destruction going on, and that's fine. Otherwise, you know, it doesn't get honed and polished and turned into something that's digestible. Yeah, it is. It is really hard to. I mean, you know, Picasso said, "If there's something that you love in a painting, destroy it." You know, and if it was good, it will come back. Um, that same thing kind of works with with video games, uh, or even tabletop games, right? You get really married to an idea or a concept of like of how this thing works, this little widget works. But then you realize you're trying to build the entire game and bend it around that one idea that may not be the best idea. And if you pull that idea out or that widget out of the game design, you'll see that the rest of the game works really smoothly. Yep. <laughs> and it didn't need it. You didn't right? need it. You were anchoring uh, it, around something that's not not important. Yeah, yeah. And, th- and that's, that's, you know, that's hard. Um, uh, it's, it's an ego call. I... I you know, I work around, and and I am a, a very large ego. But that's kind of the cool thing about uh, game design and 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 Cryptic Studios in in, in particular uh, is we all know we have big egos, and we're totally fine with that. Right. But we can also listen to each other's uh, feedback pretty well. Excellent. You know that that's how the game grows. Yeah. So my next question leads on from the first one, actually, and you've you've touched on upon it already. Uh, but and it's a bit open-ended and nebulous. But I think you'll be able to answer this with some some authority, um, and hopefully you'll understand why I'm sort of building this question up to this point. What no. what do you believe are your biggest influences are, are as a creator of things? Oh, what, I mean? uh, what a clever question! Yes. Uh, well, I I'm inspired uh, I'm inspired a lot by history. Personally, I am inspired by um, particular artists and flavors, Um, and uh, I'm also inspired – I mean, it's storytelling, right? Uh, If it's – you know, it could be Njal's saga or Beowulf, you know, Seamus Haney's Beowulf and the story and the pace of that. It could be uh, watching, uh, you know, Seven Samurai. Uh, and and Kurosawa's ability to film things and tell a story with with every little bit of of the scenery, and the wind and and how he frames things. Uh, so, uh, uh, but um, it also could be. Uh, uh, but when it comes to games, mm. uh, another another really big thing that I, I I really leverage is the human interaction, and um, and uh, the human response, right? Which ultimately that's what storytelling is. 
but but uh, but being able to get that response and and work with it and bend with it. Uh, that's why I like running live D and D games or my live tabletop games, right? Because you, it's really about the interaction and the story becomes. Uh, you know, fifty percent dungeon master, fifty percent player. Actually, it's probably more like seventy percent player, thirty percent dungeon master. Yeah, and there's some and games. They, they, yeah, there's some games out there. Is even less. Like you know, fate is like ten percent. <laughs> yeah. Rest of it is yeah. Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But um, and um, you know, I uh, I teach a lot of you know, I do seminars at like kids' schools and things, and they always ask you, well, "What's your favorite game?" And I always I always answer with like rock paper scissors. And they're like, what? You know, they're expecting Minecraft or something. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, show of hands, who here knows how to play it? And, of course, every kid knows how to play rock, paper, scissors, right? Yeah. Like, who here has mastered it? Yeah, no hands, right? No, yeah. because yeah, it's – and that's what I love about that game. Yeah, yeah. I've, been, my, uh, I've, I've just built a, a tabletop game, a uh, jousting game called uh, Breaking Lances. And uh, I use actually uh, a, a, a plotting per turn system that's basically rock, paper, scissors. Uh, and, uh, and it works really well because players are playing against each other, not against the rule system. And that's that, that interaction that I love, yeah. right? Although sometimes you get cooperative games where everyone's together – as a, as a hive mind trying to push against the game system. Like, uh, Hanabi is a wonderful example of that. Like, it's a great icebreaker because it's a ridiculous mm-hmm. game of, you know, how many covers of you've got two twos? Which ones? Those ones. <laughs> is that what you can tell me? Yes. And then three rounds later, what did you know about your hand? can't remember. <laughs> well, and I think that... Uh I, I think that going back to uh, uh, what well, you're talking about, the Renaissance, yeah, Chris, yeah, of, yeah. of board games, it's the I think that there that Dungeons and Dragons really has kind of brought forth that whole idea of that cooperative and interactive game. Yeah. I guess, uh, game, and I'm going to give props to, to Games Workshop, right? Talisman kind of did that at one point. Yep. The old Talisman board game, maybe even their Snit's Revenge, right? Uh, uh, so, so I'll, I'll give props to, to to the designers. I don't know if it was Andy or or Rick. Priestly, that I, I don't remember who did that, but mm. but I'll, you know I'll give it to them. But but you see it coming back, like in you know like in a lot of the the zombie games, the zombicide and stuff like that, right? Uh, uh, it's uh, players working together to to get a job done, or and or screwing each other over a little bit, right? <laughs> uh, and yeah, and uh, but I love that. I, I, yeah, I love that. Uh, and and it's about uh, uh, players playing different roles and tropes. Again, very D and D like, right? But but we'll see that in modern video games like uh, Left for Dead. Uh, you know, or uh, or a lot of the shooter games. Um, you know, uh, where they you know they have different tropes. You have the tank, you have your shooter, you have your sniper, you have oh, your healer. Right. Yeah, so yeah, Team Fortress Two right. or indeed Overwatch. Team Fortress Two, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Overwatch, yeah, Overwatch. You know, Blizzard's totally catching on to that and yeah. and doing a great job with it. Mm. Um, so uh, you know, where does all that come from? Well, it comes from kind of the D and D tropes, but but it, but then if you dial back even more, it goes back to you know the old sagas and stories and and things, right? You know, the Arthurian legends. Oh yeah, uh, I still don't know where they come from. I mean, I know a lot of Celtic legends. It's a very violent and odd, uh, but the Arthurian they are. Sorry, <laughs> it's my I, know, I, I totally, no, I totally agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. No, um, but I, yeah, yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense. But uh, the Arthurian ones, I think, they seem to be mangled over time. They definitely have. Um, but uh, most of those people in, featured in it didn't exist. Of course, it didn't. Merlin, really, really. Uh, but well, maybe. I think historically, Merlin was a title, not not a person, right? right? Okay. And I think there were there are several Merlins. Right. You know, just like just like in the in the in the the, the Christian Easter annals, if I remember correctly. Uh, I did a paper on this way back in college. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Arthur has actually mentioned in 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 the in the Easter Annals where they would annotate down the side of happenings. Mm. You know, during that year, yeah. and they talk about you know they talk about Arthur you know uh, glutting the Britain uh, glutting the ravens at some particular battle or what have yeah, you, right? Yeah. And, but you know, but it was but it was uh, uh, you know Arturius, a comus Britannarium. So he's basically, uh, if you think about it historically, I'm probably totally getting off a tangent of games and stuff here, but uh, I think that uh, the idea that uh, he was a, a dux Ballorum, a warlord, right? So he basically ran the cavalry mm. for uh, late, uh, late Roman, so it'd be late Roman England. Yeah. Right, where they're actually using a lot of uh, auxilia and stuff and kind of going back to that overly shield look and stuff. Yeah. And I think that he had the cavalry that was basically protecting Hadrian's Wall or what have you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we'll, we'll never really know, or maybe we will. Nah. I don't know, but we never well, really know. Well, you know, we say that, but then we found Richard III, didn't we? We did in a car park. <laughs> yeah. And then the Perry Twins did an awesome miniature for him, bursting out of the car park. 
<laughs> Sorry, that's not funny. Uh, it is tragic because, of, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's brilliant, and spectacular, yes. right? You know, yes. all these, all these theories looping around, and then, and then proof and proof, proof and proof. Yeah. Um, okay, so this next question is always tough for developers to ask uh, answer because they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But um, what developer do you most admire in the industry, and why? What developer do I most admire in the industry? Yeah. Uh, well, gosh, uh, you know there are several. Um, uh, right now, I'm, I, I think that Sledgehammer is is uh, who I have a big man crush on. <laughs> Sledgehammer Games with their new Battlefield and stuff. Oh, uh, I've got I've. Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got friends that work over there, so I, I get to talk to them about a little bit of stuff, like you know, not not NDA stuff, but just you know, just in general their workflow and stuff. Uh, I'm I'm jealous of the resources that they have. <laughs> they have a lot of they have a lot of talent and resources. Uh, you know, uh, in Cryptic, we're we're pretty a pretty small team, but uh, but I just love their storytelling and I love what they're doing and I love their commitment and and, uh, and I actually love playing the old Battlefield games. So I'm very excited about what they're coming up with with the the redux of bringing back the uh, the World War Two games. All right, so they work. Yeah, they are doing the Call of Duty one. So I was on a yeah. talking to someone about this. And oh, I've done it before, and I turned I span round sort of accusatory and said, "No, they haven't. They did it 15, 20 years ago, but they haven't done it now." Yeah. Yep. And that sort of you know stopped them in their tracks like oh yeah <clears throat> yeah exactly exactly it's going to be really really intense you know it's going to be really I mean they tried I mean back in the day when they first did it and you know really you know representing war as it best they could uh, and it's terrible mm-hmm. horrible, horrible it's just you know saving private Ryan. it's horrible what happened yeah it's uh, terrible oh yeah yeah it's it, it is but uh uh, I, but uh, they are going to get the. They've always been really good uh, at uh, at Sledgehammer of bringing that emotional hook down, yeah. right? Well, whether it's just the sniper and you've got to find him because there's the the you know the kid playing in the street, or uh, you know you've got to get the Panzerfaust or the bazooka to take out the tank before it gets through, yeah. or they put you in the back of a truck and they do the Indiana Jones r- chase ride while you they're controlling the vehicle while you're shooting, you know, and and taking care of things. They're really good at building those kind of uh, of kind of really uh, great storytelling moments mm-hmm. and making you feel a, a part of the game. I think it's gonna be great. I really do. I think it's a uh a new uh, set of uh, ex- you know, this, this examine what's going to happen with what really happened back then and take the technology we've got now nor what we had 20 years ago so that's that's what we're going to it's going it's, it's amazing it's going to be night and day compare comparison so good answers yeah Any, anyone else yeah bring to mind? yeah actually another one that uh, uh i think it's a bit of an older game but i just discovered it it's called steam world heist and it's a like an iOS game I've been playing on my iPad. It's a side scroller robot game. Uh, great storytelling. I can't remember the name of the company. It's a Swedish company. Yeah, we've had them on the show. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So uh, well, lovely uh, people. Um, I can't, I'm embarrassing. Uh, I can't remember the name either. Um, uh, I'm, man, I've, I've, yeah. like, I've like played it three times. I've just loved it so much. Great storytelling. Really clean game. Mm. Really smooth. Uh, you know, the little robots that you get have options with their different weapons and stuff, so you can kind of level them up and see how you want to deal with it. Uh, I just. Uh, it just it's just a gem. I really love it. It's the subtlety in the character design. I suspect you've picked it up on it. But the robots are actually a little bit simple. They're not as nuanced as we are because they're robots. So they're a little yeah. bit naive. It's a bit sad, really. But they know they they think the best of things. It's a bit they do. Yeah, yeah and they're, and they're, and they just you know it's got a, just a clean graphic, a clean design. Uh, everything works so smoothly. Yeah, uh, it's a fantastic. Yeah. I, you know the, the you know the whole concept of digging down and. Making the level as you dig, it's like yeah. Well, this old, that 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 was the Steamworld. That was their first one. Yeah. The Steamworld heist is oh, where you're in the uh, yeah. you're in the uh, uh, spaceships yes. going around. Yeah. You're the steam basically, and it's kind of like uh, taking the Trinity idea and uh, and and going with it. You're you're space pirates, steam robots. Yeah. Totally fun. Yeah. So I can't. I, I I want these guys to put out a new game. I'm like, now, come on, <laughs> put it out now. Which of course, you know, as a dev, I know how long it takes to put out a game. Oh, yeah. uh, but but it still doesn't make me you know want to be the player sometimes to go I want it now. It's, it's lovely <laughs> to hear that you haven't become jaded because many you know you might sit there and go I oh I can see how they've done that I've seen I've done that you've managed to disassociate so you do it anyway but you still find enjoyment and fun out of games that you play which is wonderful because that's the best thing and the best game makers are the ones who like the medium itself anyway. 
Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love playing. You know, even even our own games here. That uh, sounds a bit sycophantic, but it, I love playing Star Trek online. I love playing Champions online, uh, and I love playing Neverwinter. You know, yep. and uh, and sneaking up and doing things uh, and oh. finding little hidden gems that that maybe my devs put in, or 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 something I built when we launched the game that I, that I totally forgot about. And you're like, oh yeah, oh, yeah, we did that. Uh, I mean, rightly so because uh, I really enjoy it too. So um, I'm not well, saying cool. because you're on the show. That's why I brought you on the show. Because I like, I want to talk about this because I played D and D on paper and pen and paper, and here we are. Uh, as another interesting incarnation of it. But um, you kind of answered this question already. This next one, I have to ask it because we're a podcast that talks about video games, so we have to ask this question, which is, um, what are you playing right now? Uh, so right now I'm playing uh, Neverwinter yeah. <clears throat> on the PS4. Uh, so I'm playing the console version of it. Right. Um, I'm playing uh, World of Tanks because that's kind of like one of my go-to games that I love playing, uh, and and that's a, I play with friends, uh, so that's good. Um, and uh, let's see, what else am I playing right now? I'm just trying to level up, level up again, right? In uh, in uh, in um, in Neverwinter, uh, and. Uh, Curiously enough, I I've been kind of trying to catch up on games that I didn't get a chance to play because I was so busy. Mm. So like playing some of the new XCOM, uh, oh, right, yeah. which is really cool. Uh, yeah, again, great storytelling gives you uh, player choices. Uh, I love that about uh, about XCOM, and uh, and then just some you know silly iOS games, <laughs> and, and and so oh oh and I've been playing uh, Lego Star Wars with my kids. Oh, what the original trilogy or just all of them? Just- uh, well, all of them because we got the, I just got a brand new PS4, right? Oh, so right. we've kind of yeah, we're just kind of revisiting all of that and having a lot of fun. Oh, and and uh, and I'm always up for a challenge for Mario Kart Wii. Yeah, I got it on the Switch now, and so playing Mario. Oh Kart yeah, I'm not on the train is oh my god. <laughs> are, are you enjoying the Switch, Chris? I am very much so. Actually, it's very liberating to uh, I'm not I'm... To, to have that machine to pull it out. And to still be able to play stuff with it while you're on the train or something, or on the plane, because I got it just before Pax East, and so I was sitting there playing, playing Zelda on the plane while I was flying over, and this is like, it's the best oh. thing ever. <laughs> I know, I know, and and Zelda is the reason I will buy the the the, the Twitch because yeah. my, my I've got an eight year old and a ten year old, and it would just be a travesty if they don't learn about Zelda. Yes, and it's not the traditional Zelda, whether you like it or not. I don't want to. But it's it's an oh no I've, yeah. I've 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 played a bit of it one of my uh, one of my uh, workmates brought uh, his switch in and I got to check it out and it was really kind of cool you know climbing up grabbing the the uh, your uh, kite thing that you could fly down yeah. on it was really cool just go your hang glider like you know see that mountain yeah. over there yeah just go what just go you go there it's just uh, it's the, oh, I call you know the uh, Elder Scrolls um, element of go <laughs> see that over there just go. And you just go, yeah, and it's keep, keep going. going until something bites your face off. But yeah, keep going. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm very excited about it. I think I'm just marvel at this machine, this extraordinarily powerful machine, is the size of my hand, give or take. Yeah, I'm, again, eight, eight and ten year old, I worry about its longevity. Yeah. So, yeah. and I can't keep it, and I can't keep it secret from them. They'll find it. <laughs> they, they will. <laughs> but yeah, I have Merica, and I have another set of Joy Cons as well. So I've got four player split screen. Oh, neat! Yeah, so that's uh, that's the ultimate setup. I say to people, you need another set. And it's a bit expensive, but it's awesome because you can. When people come around and go, want to go, and they just you know you just tear it apart and give them one, and then you, they've everyone's got a controller in their hands now, and off you go on a giant fifty inch screen with you know Merica. It's just fantastic. Can't yeah. fault it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, you know what? That, that's a that's a great recommendation. I think that's uh, going to go on my uh, on my There's Christmas list. There's lots of awesome indie games on the Switch eStore now. I don't know why what Nintendo have been doing, but they've they put a lot of feelers out, a lot, and they suddenly flooded that store with lots of awesome indie games. So, uh, do you think probably because they're not charging thirty percent like the other companies are? I think it might be something to do with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just going to go out there and say it. <laughs> I wasn't going if, to. If I were Nintendo and I want and I had a new platform and I was going to open up and I wanted a bunch of games on it for players to have choices, that's uh, that would be my that call. That would be your call. Right? That and a nice touchscreen. I don't know. What, what do I know? It's just nonsense. Um, but that's the end of the first half. Well done, Thomas. You've actually survived. Um, I passed it up to the bonus round. Yes, to the bonus round. So we killed that boss, which was finding out what you played um, outside the game we're here to talk about. But now we're into the second half where we delve deep into Neverwinter. Mm-hmm. 
Thomas. This is Zero's question. It's not really a proper question. It's your chance to pitch to us, the dear audience. One hmm. Earth is. What is Neverwinter? Neverwinter is a massive multiplayer online MMO uh, where you get to experience the Dungeons & Dragons world. Uh, we start off, uh, we originally based it uh, uh, when we launched it in the 4th uh, edition. Uh, so lots of good Neverwinter stories from there and in particular's Enclave right after the Spell Plague and the healing of the Spell Plague about 200 years after. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get to play an adventurer coming into the city. And uh, we have different uh, your different class tropes that you can play. So we have different classes of fighters and magic users and clerics and uh, uh, what rogues, of course. Uh, curiously, no bard as of yet. Uh, but uh, you actually get to go in and uh, you go on adventures, uh, starting off as any good low level adventure will, and in uh, with with small tasks and going into sewers and hunting down rat people and whatnot. But uh, right off the bat, we actually want to sell this story that you are part of uh, a bigger part of the world, a bigger part of the adventure, where uh, the crown of Neverwinter has been stolen. So right off the bat, we're going to give you a quest where you're actually going to try and track down and find the crown of Neverwinter and, uh, and ingratiate yourself with uh, Lord Neverember, who is the protectorate of Neverwinter. So uh, in a nutshell, it's basically Dungeons & Dragons, that uh, that you can play in an MMO with all of your friends. Yeah, it's uh, it's glorious. It really is. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I remember playing it when it first released, and I've seen it evolve over time, and I've nipped back in and out and that sort of thing. Being a journalist, it's hard to keep track on the same games and stuff, but I've always kept a BDI on Neverwinter and popping in. And knowing now that you've expanded the game ever further and also into the console realm, it's been on Xbox One, for a while, but now it's on a PS4, and I have PS4 Pro. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not big. In, I do that because I've got PSVR as well, so that's my mm. justification. Because that's those, those pair. Oh God, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it really makes the machine sing when you have that. When you have it on VR as well, um, but to see, you know, it's it, it, the history of consoles and MMOs has not been a great one. Um, so it's very, I'm going to say it, I'm not going to be patronising to you guys at all, why would I be? But it's a very brave move to delve into that, but uh, it's worked, isn't it? Yeah, it's actually worked really well. We were able to get the license uh, way back when uh, because we were working with Atari and they had the license at the time. Right. Um, and uh, going back to our earlier conversation where we had uh, uh, projects that didn't make it, in this case, we had a project that was actually doing quite well, but right. we had the chance uh, at getting the Neverwinter project. So we basically stalled that project, took the re- the assets, and uh, I, uh, I actually built the um, – uh, designed and built the pitch for Neverwinter. Okay. Uh, so we built the assets and uh, built a village with goblins and stuff in it, and you played a Genasi sword mage and looking for a book, uh, a wizard's book that the tr- plague change troll had eaten, so you kill him to get it out of his belly. Anyway, the, uh, but uh, so we built the, the pitch and uh, took it over to um, Atari in France and, and, and pitched the Neverwinter thing because we just, uh, well, we're all gamers here, and we're like, it's Dungeons and Dragons. Why would we? Yes, we want this, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, and, and uh, I think uh, throughout the years, uh, Neverwinter is going into its fourth year anniversary. Uh, we uh, we all still feel that, yeah. right? Like it's it's Dungeons and Dragons, man. Yeah. Uh, um, I think it's one of the wonderful things with playing and pen and paper. I sort of have this book that I bought for thirty odd pounds or so about sort of eighteen months ago. I'm still playing the same book. The value of mm. money you get is just ridiculous. And again, yeah. it's just, it gives so much. You just put a little bit in and it gives 20 times back. And it's the same with Neverwinter, I've found, as you give just a little bit and it gives tenfold. And that, uh, that's, it's quite extraordinary what you've done. And I can't congratulate you enough. Well, cool. Thanks. It's very, very kind of you. Um, you know, and uh, the, 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 the fact that we're free to play. Uh, really is a is a big uh, that was a big thing for us. Very similar to what you're saying, right? I mean, uh, yeah, you can buy in and get certain things, but the whole core game is there. You can go all the way up to end game, yeah. uh, uh, for free. And uh, you know, uh, especially with content, we we at Cryptic realized uh, early on that selling content is never what we I'd say you know white hat versus black hat for for the devs, right? It just it just uh, it's not like an episodic thing where we want to sell content in that way. We just want to give out the content and let the players experience it. And if they're enjoying themselves, then everything's great. 
So I'm, we've already hinted at this, but I want to delve into this because I've played a lot of MMOs over the years. Uh, I even played some MUDs, but then uh, that's <laughs> a different thing. Um, but you know, the first, the earliest one was Meridian Fifty Nine, uh, which is mm-hmm. going in a weird kind of offshoot. It is. Way. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think so, I think we have a dev here that actually worked on Meridian Fifty Nine. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I loved it, uh, but uh, it was very embryonic, and it sort of. Then I went on to Ultima Online and stuff like this, and eventually to EverQuest, which was ironically titled mm-hmm. EverQuest because there weren't any. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, um, but uh, but and then of course eventually fall into WoW because everyone did that, right? Everyone delved into mm-hmm. WoW. Um, mm-hmm. But for the one thing that bothered me, and it's always bothered me uh, uh, in 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 games and MMOs, is that. Because of the massive multiplayer aspect of it, the combat was, how can I put it, dry. They're not going to say dull. Dry. Because you could see the numbers. You could see the two spreadsheets fighting each other, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I hated that. It's one of the things I really didn't like about MMOs. But Neverwinter doesn't do that. I'm just going to say it. I know you think, no, it actually does. But it doesn't because there's an aspect of it that there's positioning. And Mm -hmm. there's, there's a dynamism that doesn't exist. I don't know how you did it because you've got to account for lots of different connections and latencies because that's why the combat's like that because you have to allow for latencies which although thankfully in this day and age that's actually dying away to a point where people's internet connections are much, much stronger than they used to be but not... You know. it, it, it's something that, we, that we're dealing with constantly. Uh, yeah. You know, um, but, but it is, it is a... Uh, it is a goal for us at Cryptic to keep driving that forward. You know, sometimes... Sometimes we hit, sometimes we miss. Uh, like, uh, for instance, we just did a, uh, we just released uh, for our strongholds, our guilds. There's a big uh, storming raid where uh, all the players can attend, and uh, you know, we played played it in house, and it was great, doing great with 35, 40 players, and doing great. Yeah, a little bit of lag because there's so many powers and stuff going off uh, the effects. But uh, when it got live, it, we uh, we found a really, really big bug uh, where um, uh, it was a, it was a, how we're setting up a power count. And if uh, multiple players were using this particular power, uh, it would just kind of rickroll the game. Uh, so we fixed that. But you know, but 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 it doesn't stop us. You know, and and thanks to our our, our players for you know for pointing it out to us and being patient because you know they they understand that we're that we are striving to 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 to, to move forward and, and make cool stuff, uh, cool content. But um, uh, but you know that's that's what happens in the cutting edge. Now, where we got that the idea of how yes. we're doing positioning in gameplay yeah. again comes back from a previous game that we worked on. Okay. Uh, you know, we, we're, like I said, we don't throw a lot of stuff away at Cryptic. So th- those were things that we were developing in an earlier game, and we leveraged that into into our game. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the people when we first started building Neverwinter were all tabletop gamers. So when, on a tabletop battlefield, positioning and angle means a lot, right? You know, getting on the flanks, getting in the rear. Yeah. Uh, so we just brought that into our game. Uh, we also, when we originally designed Neverwinter, uh, we did it with a kind of a the console in mind, so you could play it with a controller. And uh, with a controller, it was just more. Uh, it already felt action oriented because you've got a controller in your hand, right? So we just kept working on that, and that with the dodging and the blocking and, and positioning, and it just became part of our game because we liked it and we figured you guys would too. Yeah, it's just like, oh look, it's Batman ish kind of. Well, it's like it's reactive to where rather than me just walking up and going, well, I'm just going to hit F2, two, now F6. Then four. Oh, it's dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's still an MMO. I, I, you know, I'm not gonna lie. There's still a bit of that, but you have a lot more agency. It. There's a lot more agency to do what you want, and we have a lot of splat-oriented things. So you have to get out of the way of things, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, the idea there is. Um, I didn't. I didn't want you to get into that F1, F2, F3 while you're looking at your, you know, at your. Uh, uh, Facebook site or something like that. I want yeah. you to be engaged in the game, and if I get you engaged in the game, then you have an emotional uh, hook to it. And again, yeah. it's storytelling. Right? I think the lowest point in WoW when I was fishing, I sat there and I was fishing for not me, but for the main tank who was, you know, who needed special food. And I sat there playing Puzzle Quest on my DS while fishing because mm. <laughs> it's just like I'm not engaged in the game, and that's yeah. the worst thing. You know, you don't want that. You want some. That's, you're playing a game, not doing 
a thing. You know, oh, it's, yeah. So that's what really struck me. That's why I wanted to talk to you about it because people don't maybe not know that this that exists in the game and that you it is not to simply walk up and punch things until they are dead. There's a no. There's, 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 it's about positioning and action combat as well. Yeah. And and, the, and these were things that came. Uh, uh, the, the idea of that also came a lot from when we built um, City of Heroes way back when, and then even Champions, right? You know, yeah. building up on that. So uh, with and then in Star Trek with the ship combat, okay. uh, very much so with the ship combat, yeah, I right? Like doing Positioning, broadsides. I do love yeah, it's too. totally fun. <laughs> broadsides in space, uh, get the shields and torpedoes. Yes, uh, um, but um, you know, so it, we it's it's taking that one thing and just keep developing it back and forth over and over again, you know. And as we develop new games, we'll hopefully even get a better version of it. Yeah, and I think you can definitely exploit the fact that people are having much faster interconnections. Although you and I know it doesn't really work that way, but there might be nah. something you can exploit. I don't know. Um, you know, I'll always be happy for a, a good solid 60 frame rate. <laughs> <laughs> so the next thing, uh, um, you said Neverwinter came out in fourth edition, which is very, you know, mm-hmm. a great edition of the, it's the edition of D and D brought back on because I didn't like three point five because the the once you got past level seven, it just got ridiculously mass heavy. That like I just want to punch him. Well, you got to roll twenty seven dice and then divide that by twelve. <laughs> <sighs> so yeah, sorry three point five fans, I'm not a fan. Um, uh, but or indeed Pathfinder for that same reason, but. As uh, a point to my question, is that now, uh, after Neverwinter Online came out, mm-hmm. fifth edition arrived. Fifth edition. Yep. Wizards brought out fifth edition. How was yes, they in- yes they did. They did. Uh, how did that impact on the development of um, Neverwinter, if at all? Well, you know what. Uh- First, uh, if I want to say, uh, we've got a, a fantastic uh, relationship with the Wizards of the Coast guys. Right. Uh, talking with them, I just saw John Fail, who was in, in house yesterday. Okay. Um, and uh, so, you know, there's, there's some good ribbing going on, as well as good storytelling. Um, the uh, when we started, like you said, we we're in fourth edition, so we're telling a fourth edition story. You know, the spell plague happened. There's the big crack in Neverwinter. You know, and the big maw, the chasm. Yeah. And uh, and that's all great. And we've got the story going on. And then in fifth edition. They basically plug that hole. Yeah, <laughs> it's not there anymore. Like, yeah, like, like what? You like magic concrete or something out of your bag of holding? You know, they kind of like push it. So, so uh, in order to kind of roll with that, we uh, when we built our last update, the um, the River District, right? Um, uh, we actually kind of end the story of the spell plague as well for us. You know, the the spell plague caverns are blocked. The magic power is no longer there, uh, and uh, and so we're continuing the story. So we're trying to not necessarily be in lockstep with them and rewrite history, mm. but we're trying to kind of catch up and tell our stories so that we can match with the fifth ed kind of stories. And then, of course, you know. And we did that very well with uh, the Sea of Moving Ice and being up there with Svardborg and, and whatnot, right? And in the Underdark. Uh, you know, Wizards of the Coast gives us great, uh, great story content from which to work. Uh, and, and we love working with them uh, through their stories and then, and then taking, you know, just maybe a, a simple character and then telling our story in Neverwinter with that, with that character that might be a minor person in their story. Yeah, that's the best thing. There's I, I, I a lovely graphic I've got. Someone sort of sent it to me. There's a picture of a DM, and he's got this lovely created sort of NPC and fully 3D, and it's got this amazing sort of uh, you know sort of story around it. But the characters are obsessed about this throwaway NPC that he made up on the spot, and they're just marveling <laughs> and like, please stop talking to him. <laughs> He's that sounds like a Chris Perkins thing to do. Chris Perkins is always making up uh, NPCs on the side. He's got like a whole list of them. It's like, I, I, yeah, it's just it's wonderful. <laughs> it's like they're not important. Why do you keep on? T- Fine. Yes, and he has a cat called Dave. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting, Chris, is uh, you're you're actually touching upon what I love about Dungeons and Dragons, and one of the biggest challenges in Neverwinter. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, you know, you'll write a scenario, you've got it all plotted out. All right, cool, we're going to do this, we're going to get a dungeon, do that, and then you you get your 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 group together. You're like, all right, what do you guys want to do? We're going to steal horses and paint them blue. What? <laughs> 
what? You know, like you know, you know, like you just you know, throw your book away. All that all that preparation you did for the for this adventure. Like, all right, let's go. Roll for initiative. Yeah, Grab exactly. Your first paint, you know. exactly. So, uh, so um, and and uh, uh, that that also ties into kind of fourth edit, uh, fourth edition, and fifth edition in terms of how we originally developed Neverwinter. Uh, versus how um, I'm looking as lead designer to really push the ideas now. Right. And uh, in, in fourth ed, it, w- it was kind of a, 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 not quite a tunnel of fun experience, but it was a much more linear experience uh, in the story arc, doing things and, you know, and getting the reward. Yeah. Um, and that was very much, you know, like how a module would work, right, uh, in the earlier periods. Yeah. But, uh, but um Playing D and D more, and thinking about like how we play D and D more as a group here, and we we've got groups that play here at work, uh, and um, and I'm in a couple of different campaigns <laughs> that have been ongoing uh, for years, uh, uh, and uh, um, the uh, the idea was like it's more about player choice, right? Right? Yeah. Uh, you know. Yes. So again, yes, uh, best uh, DMs are the philosophy of yes and yes, you can do that. And this happens. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, playing with that that idea of of the the frustrated dungeon master yeah. uh, that that just gives up and and just goes with the flow, which is really what makes the the game fun, right? Yeah. Is again going back to that whole seventy thirty, the players telling the story. So we're trying to build our zones and our content uh, to reflect that, yeah. and that's a that's a, a very interesting and cool challenge because at the end of the day, you still want to tell the story and you still want the players to be able to achieve and get the rewards that they want. Yeah. Uh, but uh, like for instance, in um, in uh, the River District that we uh, that we had launched, uh, players have a campaign, but they can choose which branch of the campaign they want to go through first, right? And as a group, they can secure parts of the zone and then go loot it for treasure and whatnot. So, uh, uh, and it, and it seems to be working pretty well. Uh, we also have built things like with skirmishes where they have press your luck buttons. You know, like you can play the first wave. Do you you, you can cash out now? Do you want to press your luck and go further? Right? It's just typical of you know in 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 a good D and D game. Like you want to go down to the next level? Yeah. No, we need to rest and heal. No, let's go. Come on. You know, yeah. we saw the guy with the bag of gold running down there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, I had a situation in my game at the moment. It was leading on to my next question. Actually, is uh, when my 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 team two of the Two of the players, not the the characters, not the players themselves, are very reckless, and they're brothers, and they just went they're like, "Oh, there's a waterfall. Let's dive down it." Yes, do that. Please do that. <laughs> so they did, and now they're in a level ten area. Now in a level twelve area. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> and, and and that's fine, and th- that's why there are Leroy Jenkinsons in the world. Exactly. And that's that's just fine. That's, that's just fine. So let's talk about group mechanics and raiding, because every MMO, in my opinion, is built. Uh, by its pillars, one of the pillars is certainly the the group uh, because it's a massively multiplayer. Keys in the title, uh, and um, and uh, so how is that? How is that structured in Neverwinter? And, and also talk to us about in-game raiding. Yeah, sure. Um, well, raiding, we don't have ginormous raids like WoW does, where they go forty players and fifty players. Well, except for like Tiamat, that was actually pretty large fighting. Yeah. You know out of dragons so uh, i think that had 25 players in it okay. that's kind of the largest thing we've done and we've and we've pushed limits in some of our pvp maps where we had a 40 player pvp map okay. uh, in gontal uh and that worked out okay uh we find that uh really uh about 10 players is the max that works well with our games systems and our power systems right. and where we can balance and really build a good gameplay so that's kind of our our, our structure between uh, three five and ten or kind of where we set things up right uh, and um, surely uh, you can you can play a good portion of the storytelling part of the game, uh, you know, solo. Uh, but uh, but it's oh so much more fun when you actually play it as a group, a D and D group, yes. right? And 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 we have guilds for that too, right? Uh, but uh, in terms of um, raiding and stuff, we basically have uh, different sets that you can do. We've got our, our our leveling dungeons, which are three players. We've got our epic dungeons, which hold five players. They're uh, much tougher. Uh, but they, um, but they also give better loot. Um, then we have our skirmishes, which uh, you queue up for, and they're these, uh, th- these little, you know, fifteen-minute pillow fights. Storm the keep or defend the village against the the, the drow, uh, that kind of thing, right? Uh, where it's just a, usually a pickup group of five players, and they it just fighting against the waves or having to do some very simple but yet fun objectives. Uh, and then it's kind of a rinse and repeat kind of thing. Um, and then we have uh, Call to Arms, which are a little bit longer um, uh, events uh, like the Siege of Neverwinter, 
which can happen over a week. So you can go each day, you can go and play and uh, and uh, do new things and uh, and build up currencies to get prizes and awards at the end, right? And helping together. And those are always encouraged to be team play because they're quite challenging if you're just trying to do it solo. Mm. Matter of fact, you just get scragged if yeah. you try it solo. <laughs> um, but there's the, the nice balance of different character tropes and types and. Uh, Exactly. So we we do set it up so that uh, um, there are some things uh, like in the dungeons you you need uh, in order to queue up you'll need one guardian fighter and you'll need uh, one healer right, right? Uh, and then the rest can be a mix of things which uh, you know if you're uh, if you don't want to be a wallflower I, I actually play guardian fighter so I get I get in, picked into dungeons right away right, right. you know <laughs> yeah. it's pretty cool it's just uh, uh, yeah, charging an incoming person I, I typically play a healer. Which is, yeah. you know, that's what I typically do, or a paladin-like character, or typically like, mm-hmm. can't do DPS, mm-hmm. I've tried, I just can't. As a paladin? No, 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 I can't do oh, DPS oh. characters like wizards and rogues, terrible. Oh, right. I, I can't, I just can't relate. <laughs> it's just not, and you know, uh, Chris, that's one of the cool things about D&D, right? There's yeah. so many different uh, roles that you can choose to play or yeah. not play. Yeah, um, exactly. And, uh, you know, that's what I love about it. You se- f- seem to find yourself falling into a role. Although I will wager that if if someone forced you to play the rogue in a D&D adventure, in a tabletop adventure, you could do quite well at it. Okay. I, 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 I have done it. It's just uh, they... they, they, they <laughs> the rest of the players go, oh, Chris is going to try and stab something. You're the worst rogue ever. Like, <laughs> That's okay. That's so. That's so. That's your story. You are the worst rogue ever. You're the the, the club-footed rogue with a you know lead boots and 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 that you know, and 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 you know that's fine. And you're you know it's totally fine. That that's what makes that story. And but it's a story. Yes, right? it is. I mean, there's a wonderful moment where we actually took on the main boss creature. I won't spoil it for anyone, but it was this main sort of huge creature thing. And uh, my character, who was neutral good by the way, went, "I'm off. <laughs> you're going to deal with that." I'm just, I'm gone. I've had it. I've had it with you. I'm well, see, gone. see, but no one could tell because, like, where's the rogue? He must be stealthy. Exactly. That's no, no, what I said. no, no you, I'm you, just you gone. packed it up. You're gone. I've gone. <laughs> <laughs> but you won't get stuff. I don't want stuff. I want to live. I want to be alive. So it's like, so yeah. Okay. Well, um, last question then. I know all good things come to an end, but uh, you've hinted at it, and I think it's something. It's the elephant in the room, if you will. I hate that phrase. But I want you to explain to me because I'm a very old school kind of fellow, and like free to play has always been uh, difficult for me to 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 fathom because like how much money do I give or not? Um, is there a subscription model anyway? If there is, what mm-hmm. do you get for your return? Um, because that's typically what I do. Even if a game's free to play, I actually try and find if I'm enjoying it, I will try to find a subscription model anyway because I want to get more out of it and also give something to the developers by way of uh, um, gratitude. Uh, it's not it sounds patronising, but that's exactly what I like to do. So, could you tell us how does it work with Neverwinter? Yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for that. Yeah. As a, as a dev, I appreciate that, and I, I totally do the same thing, right? You know, like this is awesome. Throw money at it. Yeah. I think uh, kick. I, I think Kickstarters are kind of the 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 other world part of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so you see people like that's a great idea. I want to support you. Yeah. Uh, so uh, free to play is exactly that, right? We we want to get lots of players into the game mm-hmm. uh, because it is an MMO and it's a lot more fun when there are a lot more players in the game. Yes. Right, you get a lot more interaction and a lot of cool things going on. Uh, so, in that game design model, uh, you know, the loot and treasures and things that we have are part of are part of the game system. Uh, what's really cool uh, that we've done in Neverwinter and all of our games, actually, Cryptic, is we've built this kind of uh, bartering system. So, we've got an auction house, and um, and you can you can level up and get cool loot and things and put it on the auction house, but uh, because you have time, it's a time sink, right? You have time to be able to get those things, and uh, but you know I'm a dad, I've got two kids, I don't always have time to play. I might actually go and buy some Zen, our gold uh, that we have in the game, right? right? And uh, so I can go and basically buy the sword from you or the armor from you in the auction house that you uh, that you spent time uh, adventuring and getting because you had an extra set because you pl- maybe played the dungeon twice or something. So I can get that and feel good about that. And then in trade, you as the, the player uh, get the Zen and you can go to the Zen store and buy things that weren't open to you. Right. So we've actually built an in-game economy that works very well. Uh, you know, and the players totally dig it, and uh, and it, it it's the player based economy. They set the prices on things, right? 
So it's so so uh, it's so that kind of you know a lot of issues with with a, a free to play game, but you can buy things. It's always pay to win. Well, with us, it's not really true because it's you know we've built this uh, this kind of economy mm. in the world. Right, so if you work hard, you can sell it. Then you're not paying to win. You 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 worked hard to make that, right? You know, it's just like like any good artisan. So that that's one part of it. Um, the other part is, uh, as I said before, um, uh, you know, you can actually play all the way up through level, uh, uh, all the way to end game. Uh, you know, without buying anything, yeah. right? Um, uh, but one of our biggest buyers, of course, yeah, uh, uh, things you're talking about, sub- the subscription fee. Mm. Uh, you know, at one point we had that, and then we didn't. Yeah. Um, uh, for like, especially like Star Trek, right? We built it as a subscription base and made it free to play because we realized it's just a cooler game that way. Yeah. But we do have uh, uh, for Neverwinter, we have the VIP pack, right? right? And and that is basically kind of like a subscription because each uh, you know each each week each month you get you know free keys for lock boxes, you get free res spells. It opens doors to to gates. Yeah, it's just all about uh, convenience, okay. right? It's not not about the win part. It's more about the convenience part. Right. Now, uh, you know, getting to end game and needing a bunch of gems and stuff. If you really, really, really want to push your gear to the to the hardest max, uh, there may be some purchases involved if you want to do that. But that's up to you, right? You don't you don't you don't have to have the highest max gear no. to okay. to play most of the content, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's 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 a great model, and it's obviously working. Otherwise, you'd be talking to me now. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the, and the cool thing about that is, it's like, uh, uh, you know, uh, like in lock boxes and stuff, the chance boxes we have. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, really figuring out, and, and this one took us a while, but it, you know, it's you know, is a palm slap to uh, like what's really D and D? What what do people love? They love really classic D and D things, yeah. right? Uh, so like Tensor's floating disc as a mount. Yes, I totally want that. You know. Uh, uh, we just did an arcane whirlwind, and it, it uh, is selling really well because uh, it's just a really D and D kind of feeling kind of thing, right? Yeah. So, you know, we get, a, get sometimes we got away from that for a while, and then we realize, wait a minute, we love this stuff. Why aren't we making this stuff too? And the players will love it, and and thankfully they do. And the resurgence of D and D has been must have really helped you um, as a pen and paper game uh, because it has Wizards done a great job, and it's really. It's even coming close to magic, I hear, uh, as regards to mm-hmm. success yeah. and, and sales. It's incredible. Uh, here's me thinking yes. this little niche thing that I sort of play. Like, no, no, Chris, no. I mean, yes, the other uh, other RPGs I play, like 13th Age and Coriolis and stuff like that, they, they, they are niche and unique, but they are feeding off <laughs> the other the other RPGs. So it's it's all the main RPGs being D&D and, and others. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely... Have you found that that there's, there's more interest in, in Neverwinter now since the since Wizards done such a fantastic job of you know reinvigorating it into the world? Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, bottom line, girls talk to me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's how cool it is to play D and D, right? Yeah, what, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, seriously, you get people like Vin Diesel, big D and D fan. Big D and D geek, yep, right? You yep, know, yep. Uh, you see him playing with like online with Matt Mercer. You know, uh, yeah. uh, you know. So it's it's like cool to play Dungeons and Dragons now. Like all these, you know, uh, all these like hidden, uh, you know, people that like, oh, you play D and D? Yeah, I play D and D too. Yeah, uh, yeah. And now it's okay to talk about it. And yeah, but uh, you're right. Uh, Wizards has done a splendid job. Uh, you know, republishing their books, great artwork, good story work from yep. people like Chris Perkins. Uh, uh, you know um, the, the publishing into stuff, the, the peripherals that they're giving out, and then you know stuff like uh, uh, um, Penny Arcade doing the acquisitions Inc. stuff is just phenomenal, right? Uh, yeah, I've been uh, to those shows. Those that that oh, I've man. been to many of them. So I'm sitting there yelling "Green Flame" at, at, at mm-hmm. them because every time they say it, you have to yep. say it. Yeah, Green Flame. <laughs> yeah. Green Flame, which is about some old adventure no one can even remember. <laughs> it's uh it's i think that whole scene and the whole development i mean it's really exciting and for me to sit here and get i just love your vision of neverwinter because it's not mine no offense but it's not how i yeah. envisioned it but this is how you envisioned it and it's a it's a it's a like a mirror world of it like no it's not quite how i envisioned that spire or how that how the you know the how these people looked but it's still a, a version of it and it's a great version of it, and I thank you for that. Well, thank you. Yeah, and not just my version, right? It's it's the whole team's. Yes, <laughs> we've yes. all developed it together. When I say you, I mean Cryptic Studios. Yeah. You're the only, oh yeah. Them. 
So I, I can I can lay claim to the mimic. That that is mine. <laughs> oh, that's always a fun <laughs> creature. Anyway, <laughs> um, so just to wrap up, that Neverwinter Online is uh, available on Windows PC, Xbox One, and now PS4. Yes. Yes. Very exciting, and so well done with with that. Uh, Thomas has been fantastic having you on. Well, cheers, Mr. Oregon. Good talking with you. Yeah, it's uh, really. We wish you the very best of luck in future endeavours, whatever they may be. And more than welcome to come back on and talk about whatever they are. <laughs> Swell, I'd love that very much. Uh, but um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that and uh, everyone listening. Yeah, it's a blast. I always love talking about D&D. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review and you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there you just look up the sausage factory and you can find us that'd be great you can follow me on twitter at chris o'regan no apostrophes and uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer you listen to this show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com also don't forget to check out the computer game show which is the Stablemate podcast, should we say, of Spong.com. Bye!